0: Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of corinthians first corinthians first Corinthians chapter number two tonight in your bibles and I know we 've taken some time for some other things and um, and so here 's what i 'm going to tell you tonight we 're going to get out when we get out amen and uh, no i 'm sort of sort of picking and uh, uh, i don 't think we 're going to be lengthy tonight, but uh Boy, I don't want you to miss the truth of the Word of God. And so here's, here's the thing. There are some outlines, all these preachers in the room tonight, they know what I'm about to tell you. There are some outlines that when you look at that outline, you think, man, that's going to preach. Well, I hate to disappoint you, but this is not one of them, amen. And there's some that you look at and think, man, that is a wonderful truth. That some people desperately need, and that's sort of the direction we're going to head tonight. This is going to be uh, this is going to be like a Sunday school lesson versus a sermon, um, but it's something that it's something that we need to hear something we something we desperately need to hear, and something that the Lord has really really laid on my heart in a big big way. And uh, last Sunday morning we talked about why God allows the problem. Now we just sort of. You know, we we just sort of waited in the in the shallow section, and we didn't go very deep. And we said that sometimes God allows the problem because God's applying pressure, and that pressure uh, problems equals pressure, and pressure equals perfection. And uh, and we took a little time to talk about that, and the Lord blessed, and we thank the Lord for that. And I told you that, Lord willing, if you'd come back this next Sunday, that we were going to go a little deeper, and that's what we're going to do tonight. And and I want to talk to you about this subject, the mystery of suffering. The mystery of suffering. Um, and I, I, I believe this is going to help you tonight. I, could, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I, and I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever, at least I hope I haven't. I don't think I've ever come to the pulpit where I just wanted to entertain. Well, I hope that's not been the case. A lot, some preachers want to do that. They want to entertain. And uh, I have never been so consumed with. I, I, You know, I don't really care as much about you leaving and saying, Man, preacher, that's the greatest preaching you've ever done. But, boy, I want to give you truth. I want to give you truth. And so if you walk away and say, Man, preacher, that's the greatest preaching you've ever done. Or you don't, but you receive wonderful, life-changing truth. Well, that's the main thing. Um, And so that's what I want to do tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in your Bibles. When you find your place tonight, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of, of God's Word. We're going to read, going to read the first uh, 10 verses today, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and I want you to really follow with me today, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 1. How many are ready to receive, receive something from the Word of God tonight? Amen. All right, and so just hang in there. You can jot down some notes if you want to. We're going to really follow our outline tonight, which we don't always do, but we're going to really stay with the outline, I believe, tonight. And, uh and, and just teach a little bit this evening, but I hope it'll be a help to you. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And I, brethren, Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Which I believe what Paul is saying, the same thing. I didn't come here to entertain you. He says, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, Paul said, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Look at verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God, uh, God ordained before the world into our glory, which none of the princes of, the, of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In verse 9, many people think that this is a reference to heaven. And this is not a reference to heaven. It's a reference to the word of God. The Bible says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Somebody says that's talking about heaven. No, it's talking about you don't even have a clue what God has prepared for you from this book right here. look what he says in verse 10, but. God hath revealed them unto us by his what? By his Spirit. Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You may be seated tonight. I want to talk to you about this subject, the mystery of suffering, the mystery of suffering. And, um, and so just hang in there with us. Uh, I'm going to mark the clock. We'll try not to be lengthy, that l- lengthy tonight, but we want to try to mind the Lord. And uh, I, want to, I, I want to try to... Try to help you tonight. Again, we mentioned this in the service this morning, but uh, what we're going to address tonight is what comes up in the break room. You know, people ask, well, you know, you say that your God is so good. Well, if your God is so good, why does my mom have Alzheimer's? If your God is so good, then why was my teenager killed in a car accident? If God is so good, why was that little family hit? Somebody said 83 mile an hour. Why was that little family hit on that golf cart and many of them went out into eternity? If God is so good, why would God let that happen? So how many, how many know this? There's some tough questions. But I believe wherever, wherever there's a question, there's an answer in this book right here. And so we're going to do our best to try to Teach that to you tonight. Won't preach as much, but we're going to try to teach it to you tonight. And I hope it'll be a helping. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us and we'll jump right into this Bible study. Keep your Bibles open because we're going to look at a lot of places tonight, okay? Father, we love you, and uh, we're just grateful, Lord, for the wonderful day that you've given us and blessed us with. We're unworthy of it. It's not because of a man, it's not because of a preacher. Lord, it's because you're just an awesome God. And we are underneath the favor of a loving Heavenly Father. And Father, we thank Thee for that. We know that any blessing that we have received today is a a result of Your precious Son and the sacrifice that's been made through Him. And so, Father, for that we're grateful. We take no credit for what's what's happened today. But we do say thank You. And so, Lord, now as, as we approach a difficult subject, but one that I think that we need to approach. Lord, one that I think that our people need to know what they believe about this subject. And Lord, because this is, it really is the question that's gonna come up at Thanksgiving. It's the question that's gonna come up in the break room. It's the question that's gonna come up with family members and friends. And so Lord, help us to know what we believe so we can properly, Lord, answer the questions when this world comes for answers. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you will uh, direct our thoughts and our words tonight. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that what we say would honor you and please you and glorify your Son. And I pray that we will, in just a few minutes, I pray that we will walk away from this place being able to say, it was good to be, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. And so, Lord, bless our discussion now, we pray. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all of the Lord's people said, amen. At different times in history, there were truths that God did not allow men to understand. These truths were referred to as a mystery. Look at verse seven in your Bibles again. Second Corinthians chapter two verse seven, and Paul is speaking to a church that is that, that's, by the way, in an incredibly pagan city, an unbelievably pagan. And these Christians in this church have been saved out of a very heathenistic background. And so Paul says to them, a lot of these things that Paul is teaching, they, they could not grasp. And so Paul says in verse number seven, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto glory. In a mystery, it's the Greek word mysterion. And it means this, it means a hidden or secret thing, not obvious to the understanding. And so there were things early in time that were considered mysteries. They were not obvious understanding. People didn't have a clear understanding of of, of what God was trying to say. Let me give you some for instances if I could tonight. How about the mystery of the church? Uh, you don't have to turn there. I'll read a lot of these for you. We'll turn to some. Ephesians 5.32, the Bible says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, what does that mean? The church was a mystery. Uh, the word ecclesia, called out assembly. And early on, men had very little understanding of what the church would be. And when the Bible talks about the church, which by the way is you and me, The church being the bride of Christ, I'm gonna be honest with you, men had, uh, they had a difficulty in understanding what that meant. The church, many of the Old Testament saints, if not all of the Old Testament saints and the prophets had no idea what the church was all about. Well, thank God we know. Thank God we're part of it, amen? uh, But the church was a mystery. The doctrine of the church was a mystery. Not only that, but the mystery of the rapture. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51, the Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This is what the Bible is saying there is this, that men understood that the Lord was going to return, but they didn't quite grasp how the Lord would return. They didn't understand the rapture, didn't understand necessarily the second coming. They had very little understanding of the millennial reign of Christ and the tribulation and all these things that were gonna come Um, And so that's why the Bible refers to the rapture of the church as a mystery. There are many, the mystery of the kingdom of God, Mark chapter four and verse 11. And he said unto them, "Unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now the the, the kingdom of God uh, speaks of a spiritual kingdom, but also a kingdom that would one day become literal and physical. Uh, The Bible talks about the mystery of iniquity. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth, doth already work. It's talking about that, that, that uh, spirit of the Antichrist. And the Bible says there, only he who now letteth will let, or he who now hinders will hinder until he, I believe the church and the Holy Ghost, will be taken out of the way. Uh, it's interesting that even just now, we're beginning to understand some of the mysteries that the book of Revelation talks about. Many years ago, even in my lifetime, when we begin to talk about receiving the mark of the beast and how uh, receiving the mark of the beast is gonna preclude people from buying and selling, I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, we talked about having it on your hand, your forehead, and years ago we thought, how's that gonna happen? Is everybody gonna walk around with a tattoo? you know, 666 six, six on their forehead, on their hand. And by the way, I'm not saying it's not gonna be that way, but I'm just saying this, it could be, you won't see a tattoo. Uh, we know now that everything is done with an eye, everything is done with a fingerprint, uh, everything is done with a chip. And so again, we didn't understand, how is that, how's that gonna happen? But now we say, well, we know exactly how those things are gonna unfold. Now we see the technology and all that's happening. We used to wonder about, you know, the Bible says that the Antichrist will be mortally wounded and that somehow he'll be supernaturally resurrected. And men and women will look and they'll say, wow, he resurrected just like Jesus. He resurrected. And we think, man, how's that going to happen? How's the Antichrist going to be resurrected? Well, man, the Lord showed me something other than I believe I know exactly how that's going to happen. And uh, for $5 after the service, I'll share that with you. Amen? <laughs> mysteries, mysteries. It's a hidden, uh, something that's hidden, something that's not obvious understanding. Well, part of, the, part of that is, uh, uh, well, let me, let me back up real quick and say this real quickly. Uh, part of the reason that we are able to understand some of these mysteries, I just want to point, put this in there. It's too important to pass over is because we seem to be living in the last of the last days. Yes, sir. Somebody says, Pastor, it was a mystery, right? It's not a mystery anymore, right? Why is that? Because it's, brother, it looks like we're in the last quarter of the game. I mean, it looks like the Holy Ghost is coming. It looks like Jesus is coming. And if you're here tonight and you're not ready, you're not ready, my wife and I, boy, we had that conversation this week as we were watching some of the news unfold and watching uh, these people that were protesting uh, to murder babies, and, and I told my wife, I said, man, people better make sure they've got their ticket stamped and ready to go. It looks like the Lord is about to come. And, and you see, listen to what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number four. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. And then he said this, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. You know why We're all of a sudden we're gaining knowledge and we're understanding the mysteries of the word of God? Because it's exactly what God said. I'm gonna seal up some of these mysteries until it's time, uh, until the end comes. And when the end comes, I'm gonna begin revealing some of these hidden things that are not obvious understanding. I'm gonna be revealing them to my church. And that, my dear friend, is exactly what's going on. And so mysteries, mysteries, well, one of those mysteries tonight is the one I want to talk to you about, and that's the mystery of suffering, the mystery of suffering. Why is there suffering in the world? I think that's the question. Why is there suffering? Uh, why is there evil in the world? Why did God allow evil? Why is it that, uh, that good people suffer? Why do you... Why do, Babies get sick, I'm just, you know, these are a few things that, that always seem to come up in the questions, and so I wanna address some of these tonight. Why is there abuse? I mean, if God's so good, and by the way, church, he is. Yes. And if God is so just, and by the way, he is. He's all of that. He's a just God, he's a good God. And, and, uh, but why does God allow abuse? Why are there natural disasters? like tornadoes and hurricanes and and earthquakes. Why do people lose their sight? Why is there such a thing as cancer? Have you ever thought about this? Why did God allow the Holocaust if God is so good? Why were six million Jews exterminated? Why did God allow 9-11? I mean, those planes, flew into the buildings. We all remember where we were when that day took place. And then we hoped it was an accident. And then that second plane uh, uh, flew into that other building. We knew then this was no accident, we're under under attack. And people begin to ask that question. If God is so good, why would God allow 9-11 to happen? And here's the question, why doesn't God just take it all away? Why doesn't he just take it all away? I mean, if God is so wonderful, and God is so caring, and God is so loving, then why all the suffering, and why all the war, and why is there poverty, and why is there starvation? Now, is it important that we discuss that tonight? I believe it's very important, and I'll tell you why. Because if you and I don't know what we believe concerning this subject, the enemy will get in. The devil's a master deceiver. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians six eleven, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means trickery. It means deceit. And if you're not careful the devil will come and the devil will say well you know what if god is so good like that preacher says then why did this happen and if god is so good why did you get cancer if god is so good why did your baby get sick if god is so good why 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 did you lose your house to fire if god is so good but i want to tell you something church and by the way i want you to understand something god doesn't need me to come here tonight as his attorney Do you understand that God can do what God wants to do and he doesn't have anybody's permission? And Abraham said it like this, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And he shall. And somebody says, you know, preacher, why? It's interesting, 2019, we were able to visit San Francisco, California, And I don't even know why this happened, but while we were out uh, in San Francisco, some of you have iPhones tonight and iPads and all those kind of things. And so while we were in San Francisco, we went by the childhood home of a man by the name of Steve Jobs. And uh, you say, Steve Jobs, Who, who is Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs is the man who created Macintosh and Apple and the iPad and the iPhone and all of that. Steve Jobs was an incredibly wealthy man. But let me tell you something about Steve Jobs that I did not know. I read an interesting story this week and I'd like to give it to you if I could. And it went something like this. Even though they, his parents, even though they were not fervent about their faith, Steve Jobs' parents wanted him to have a religious upbringing. So they took him to a Lutheran church most Sundays. That came to an end when he was 13 years old. In July, 1968, Life Magazine published a shocking cover showing a pair of starving children in Biafra. Jobs took it, listen to this now, Jobs took it to Sunday school and confronted the church's pastor. If I raise my finger, will God know which one I'm going to raise even before I do it? The pastor answered, yes, God knows everything. Jobs then pulled out the life cover and asked, well, does God know this? Uh, 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 Does God know about this and what's what's going to happen to those children? Talking about the cover of of life. Jobs, uh, let me back up because I want to make sure you get this right. The pastor remarked, Steve, I know you don't understand, but yes, God knows about that. Jobs announced that he didn't want to have anything to do with worshiping such a God and he never went back to church. Like many of us, Jobs struggled with the idea that God could see and know the details of the injustice in the world and do nothing to prevent it. So I I have no idea who I'm talking to here tonight. You may have just went through the, the, the biggest storm of your life and, you, and, and a lot of questions. And you say, Pastor, I'm trying to believe what you say, but if God is so good, then why did God allow suffering? Why did God allow this valley? Why did God allow this storm to come into my life? And so let's talk about that just a little bit tonight. If I could, I'll give you just a few thoughts this evening, and we'll let you go tonight. How about this? Number one, I want you to understand something, that suffering is a direct result of the curse. All right, so here we go. Get your Bibles handy. I want you to turn over the book of Genesis with me tonight. The book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. I've got a lot of scriptures tonight. More than we could ever turn to probably, but I'll, I will turn to some of these tonight. Genesis chapter 2 in your Bibles. And I'm going to tell you the mystery of suffering tonight. Genesis chapter number 2. and I'll, I'm sorry, Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Suffering is a uh, a direct result of the curse. Genesis chapter three, look at verse number 17. The Bible says, and unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Notice what the Bible says. Cursed, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, notice this now, for dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return. Now, was that God's original plan? Listen, listen to me, suffering, suffering is a direct result of the curse. If you're in Genesis, you can just stay there, but let me read Romans chapter five and verse number 12. The Bible says, wherefore has by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. How about Romans chapter eight, verse number 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Please understand something like, you say, pastor, what's the deal? Where did suffering come from? Why is there cancer? Why is there death? Why is there abuse? Why is there problems? I'll tell you why. Because suffering is a direct result of the curse. Well, let's go further. And number next is this. I want you to understand this. The curse is a direct result of sin. I'm talking about suffering. I'm talking about dying. I'm talking about death. Did you know that death is here because of sin? We can go further than that. Did you know know that cancer is here because of sin? Alzheimer's. Poverty, addiction, divorce, heartache, sadness. All of these things came as a result of sin. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse number 17. The Bible says, but of the, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Watch this now. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Romans 6:23 says it like this, "For the wages of sin is death." In Ezekiel 18 verse four, our Bible says, "Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. the soul that sinneth it shall die. The soul that sinneth it shall die." Many, many years ago, I think go home into this, I think it was Dr. Christopher De Hahn, M.R. Dehan's son. Was watching, uh, uh, was watching a broadcast and it uh, was 1985 by the way and there was a, there was a huge, um, a terrific earthquake that happened in Mexico City, Mexico. And Dr. DeHaan was watching the television as they were showing the, uh, the tragedy and the heartache and the buildings and, uh, and the death and the carnage. Interesting. As he was watching this broadcast on the bottom of the screen where the captions run, it said this, these images are brought to you by S-I-N. Spanish International Network. But I got some news for you, church. All the carnage that we see today in this world, all the heartache, all the problems, all the sadness, all the funerals that we go to, all the chemotherapy that's having to go out today, all the abuse, all the hunger, all the starvation is brought to us courtesy of sin. And somebody says, Pastor, if God is, is a good God, then why doesn't God just do something? Okay, Pastor, so uh, it, it's all here as a result of sin. All right, I get it. Why doesn't God step in? And why doesn't God just do something about it? Let me help you with that tonight. Let me give you three points real quickly tonight. How about this? Number one, I want you to understand something. God created a perfect world with no curse. Genesis chapter one and verse number 31. Would you look there with me? Genesis one, verse 31. The Bible says in God's, now now, now hang with me, church. Hang with me here. Genesis one, 31. And God saw, what's the next two words? and God saw everything, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was, what's the next two words? Very good, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In the evening and the morning, we're the sixth day. I wanna tell you that when you are an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, and you refer to something as very good, guess what? It's very good. In fact, it's perfect. And we read that verse for you this morning out of Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. The Bible says he is the rock. His work is perfect. And so God created a perfect world with no curse. But there's something else. I want you to understand this next thing. God created a perfect man and a perfect woman to be in this perfect world. Look at Genesis 2. And verse number seven, the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And so, notice, God created a perfect world with no curse, God created a perfect man and a perfect woman to be in this perfect world. Are you with me so far? Say amen. Amen. Because here's the clincher. And here's the point that you better get. Number next is this. God created this perfect man and perfect woman with perfect choice. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that for a half a second. Well, you better have some Bible to back that up then. God created this perfect man and perfect woman with perfect freedom. Genesis 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest what? Thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat eat of it. I believe I have a perfect Bible tonight. And you'll notice in that perfect Bible there's a colon. And the colon is often used to give emphasis. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Then God emphasizes something. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In other words, God came to Adam and Eve and said, don't do it. Don't do it. But if you decide to disobey and do it, there will be consequences. And so God created man with the ability to choose right or wrong. And man chose wrong. And the curse came. And cancer came. And death came. And cemeteries came. And little baby caskets came. And dementia came. And Alzheimer's came. And Parkinson's. And valleys. And hurricanes. And tornadoes. And you say, but hold on, preacher. If God made a perfect world with no curse and put a perfect man and a perfect woman in that perfect world, why, preacher, why did he make them perfectly free? And the answer to that question is this, because of love. Did you know the highest good is love? 1 John chapter 4, verse number 8 says it like this, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, listen to this, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity, or Agape. A Agape love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is a God of love. Amen. And God made a creation that would love him and one that he could love in return. I ask your question, what good, is, what good is love if there's no love to give? And no love to receive. Somebody said it like this a song is not a song until you sing it. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. And love is not love until you give it and receive it. So you say, All right, preacher, God's a God of love. Why did he make them free? Are you ready? Because forced love. It's not love. Simple truth. He created a perfect world. Amen. He created a perfect man, perfect woman, put them into the world. Amen. And he took that perfect man and perfect woman and gave them perfect freedom and allowed them to choose. Why, preacher, why? Because forced love not love. So let me illustrate. Um, Maddie gave a testimony tonight. It'd be like a young man coming to our church, finding one of our eligible young ladies. He walks up to Maddie and he says, oh, by the way, you don't know me, but you're going to love me. And of course, Maddie, in her own loving way, would say, drop dead, you know, and he... (laughs) And he says to Maddie, no, no, you don't get it. You don't have a choice. You're gonna love me. Whether you wanna love me or not, you're gonna love me. And so then he starts coming, every service, and just starts stalking her and hounding her, and he says, hey, you're gonna love me. By the way, you're going to marry me. You don't have a choice. You're going to love me. She goes to the gas station to get, you know, get some fuel for a car, and here this young man comes over, and he says, hey, uh, I'm just telling you, you're going to love me. You're going to love me. You don't have a choice. You're going to love me. Uh, he comes to her one day, and he has, a, uh, uh, he has a wedding license in his hand, and he says, hey, I need you to meet me tomorrow at the Justice of the Peace. We're going to get married, and you don't have a choice, and you're going to love me and you don't have any choice in it. Or let's go a step further than that. He goes out and kidnaps her. He locks her in a room and he says, you're not coming out of the room until you love me. Now, let me ask you a question. He never gives her any flowers. He never courts her. He never shows her an ounce of affection, but he just comes and says, you're gonna love me and you don't have one solitary choice. Ask a question. How many think that Maddie's going to enjoy that relationship? If anything, you know what she's going to think and you're going to think? That's creepy. That's creepy. Did you know that God made a perfect world? No curse. He created a perfect man and a perfect woman, put them in that perfect world And then because love is the highest good, God gave that perfect man, that perfect woman, perfect freedom. And he said, all of this I've done for you. And I want you to love me and I want to love you. But you've got a choice. And what's really, really sad is man chose sin. And that action plunged mankind into the bondage of suffering. Romans 5:12 says it like this, "Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned." And somebody says, but pastor, why doesn't God just destroy evil? Okay, we're where we are. Why doesn't God just destroy evil? Because if God destroyed evil, he would remove your freedom to choose. And God's not going to do that. God's not going to do that. Now, here's the great news, church, and we're done tonight. Although God will not destroy evil, wonderful, wonderful news. He's defeated evil. You say, how, preacher? Through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Would you look at a few scriptures with me real quickly tonight before we go? Look at Romans chapter six. Romans chapter number six. And look at verse number 17. We're gonna read several verses and this ought to be a blessing to you. Romans chapter number six, verse number 17. Romans six, verse 17. I'll give you just a moment to find your places there. Romans six, verse 17. The Bible says, but God be faint that you were the servants of sin. But you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now, skip over to Romans chapter seven, and look at verse number 21. Romans seven twenty-one. the Bible says this, I find then a law that when I would do good, here it is, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? Skip over to Romans chapter eight and verse number one. If you wanna go ahead and say an amen early, amen, just go ahead and say Amen. Romans chapter eight, verse number one, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Hey, church, I've got some great news that if you choose Jesus as your savior, there's gonna be a day when evil will finally be defeated. Amen. It'll be defeated in your life. Why is there evil? Simply put, why is there evil? God gave you a choice. And man chose evil instead of God. And it plunged mankind into a curse. But all oh, thank God there's coming a day when evil will once and all be defeated. Hey, let me read you a little story. We're done tonight. And this is a fictitious story, of course, and it said at the end of time, billions of people were scattered on a great plain before God's throne. Most shrank back from the brilliant light before them. But some groups near the front talked heatedly, not with cringing shame, but with belligerence. Can God judge us? How can he know about suffering? snapped a a pert young brunette. She ripped open a sleeve to reveal a tattooed number from a Nazi concentration camp. We endured terror, and beatings, and death. In another group, a Negro boy lowered his collar. What about this, he demanded, showing an ugly rope burn, lynched for no crime but being black. In another crowd, a pregnant schoolgirl with sullen eyes. Why should I suffer, she murmured. It wasn't my fault. Far out across the plain, there were hundreds of such groups. Each had a complaint against God for the evil and suffering he permitted in this world. How lucky God was to live in heaven where all was sweetness and light, where there was no weeping or fear, nor hunger or hatred. What did God know of all that man had been forced to endure in this world? For God leads a pretty sheltered life, they said. So each of these groups sent forth their leader Chosen because he had suffered the most. A Jew, a Negro, a person from Hiroshima, a a horribly deformed arthritic. In the center of the plain, they consulted with each other as at last they were ready to present their case. He was rather clever. Before God could be qualified to be their judge, he must endure what they had endured. Their decision was that God should be sentenced to live on earth as a man. Let him be born a Jew. Let the legitimacy of his birth be doubted. Give him a work so difficult that even his family will think him out of his mind when he tries to do it. Let him be betrayed by his closest friends. Let him face false charges, be tried by a prejudiced jury and convicted by a cowardly judge. Let him be tortured. At the last, let him see what it means to be terribly alone. Then let him die. Let him die so that there can be no doubt that he died. Let there be a great host of witnesses to verify it. As each leader announced his portion of the sentence, loud murmurs of approval went up from the throng of people assembled. And when the last had finished pronouncing sentence, there was a long silence. No one uttered another word. No one moved. For suddenly all knew that God had already served his God knows nothing about suffering. Are you kidding me? He knows everything about suffering. Did you know we have a Savior that suffered our very hell for us? Did you know if we got what we deserve, church, let's just be honest tonight. If we got what we deserve, we'd be crying out in a devil's hell right now. And even though man chose sin, and a curse came on this earth, still in love. God said, I'll send my son. And my son is gonna bleed and suffer and die and pay the penalty for sin. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, hallelujah, evil will be defeated. Amen. You say, preacher, is God good? He's better than we could ever even comprehend. Is God loving? I'm telling you, church, our little pea brain cannot even comprehend how loving a God that we have tonight. What a God shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house tonight just for a moment? And we're going to give just a few minutes of an invitation song tonight. And I wanna ask the same questions that I asked this morning. First of all, with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'm born again. And if I were to close my eyes in death tonight, I know that I would see the Lord. If that's you tonight, with every head bowed and nobody looking, If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now, pastor, that's me, as a testimony, praise God. You can lower your hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get really serious now. How many are here tonight would say, Brother Pope, I'm gonna be honest, if I died tonight, I'm not sure of heaven. Pastor, don't take that wrong. I want to go. I want to go to heaven. It's not like I want to go to hell at all. And it's not like I hate God or anything like that. It's just that I don't know. If a heart attack came tonight or a stroke came tonight, Pastor, I'm not sure that I would die and spend eternity in heaven. Without anybody looking, if that's you tonight, would you just slip your hand up right now? Let me pray for you. Right now, just raise it up. Can I pray for you, pastor? If I died tonight, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one? Can I pray for you tonight? Can I pray for you? How many here tonight, maybe you've went through the valley of all valleys and the enemy came and tried to whisper in your ear and get you to believe that God's not right, God's not fair. God's not just for allowing that to happen in my life. Hey, listen, if that has happened, I'm gonna ask you to do something tonight. I'm gonna to ask you in just a moment to walk down to this old-fashioned altar and just come out down here tonight to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand everything you've done. I don't understand why you're allowing me to go through this, but by the grace of God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna keep a sweet spirit And so if that's you tonight, I want you to come. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I've already raised my hand about being saved. I know that I'm saved, but I'm not where I need to be with Christ. I know I'm not. I'm not in the will of God like I need to be. And preacher, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come. And we'd like to have a prayer with you tonight. Preacher, I have been saved but I've never followed the Lord in believers' baptism, I'm going to ask you to come tonight. Make yourself a candidate for baptism. Whatever it may be, I want to invite you to, to come and mind the Lord tonight. Would you stand with us all over the house? Father, we thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I sure hope that this has pleased you and I hope it's made sense to your people. And Lord, we thank thee that we can walk out of this place tonight knowing something, that God is good, And he's good all the time. And Lord, regardless of the evil that's in our world and the suffering and the problems that come, Lord, we understand that God has a perfect plan and a perfect purpose. Father, I pray tonight for that person who maybe the enemy has come and tried to get them a little indifferent with the Lord. I pray tonight that Lord, they would find their way to an old fashioned altar. And tonight, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd give them a great spirit and a repaired spirit. God, tonight, work in their life. Lord, save that one that's lost. Work in hearts tonight. I pray, Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and you have a need of any kind, listen, I'm gonna encourage you to come right now. Just find your way to an old-fashioned altar. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, would you come while we wait? Would you come, would you come tonight? and do business with the Lord. Hey, Calvary family, whatever you do, don't you ever allow the devil to get you sideways with God. Oh, listen, we cannot comprehend his great love wherewith he hath loved us. What a God, what a wonderful God. Would you come tonight? We've got some folks up here with a Bible that would love to pray with you. Is there another? Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. Come on. Come on tonight. That's right. Would you come? Would you come? Amen. Preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm saved and going to heaven. Come on tonight. Don't walk out of this place lost. Father, I thank Thee for what You're doing. Lord, You've been at work all day today, and for that, we're grateful. Father, I pray You'll continue to work in hearts tonight. Lord, I I pray, Father, for that one that's nearest hell tonight. God, show them their need. Show them how much You love them. Lord, I pray tonight they'd come and give their heart and life to Christ. Father, I pray You'd work through the live stream tonight. And Lord, if there are those that are watching by way of live stream, Father, I pray that you'd help them to reach for their phone right now. Call that number on the screen. God, we want to pray with them tonight. Oh, God, I pray you'd do it. Lord, help us to leave this place saying that God is good. God is good. Lord, help us tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.